Jade. And I'm Amy. And welcome back to our podcast. This week, we'll be serving you a little dose of mental health and confidence. I feel like we should do a check-in on how 2020 has been. Yeah. For a lot of us, but I guess specifically us, because we're the only two in the room right now. Yeah. What have you realized throughout 2020? Um, a lot. Uh, I think... I am trying to re-examine the future and, I guess, more specifically, like, career trajectory that I want mm-hmm. um, and all of that. I think I was kind of taking the the super safe route, and near the beginning of quarantine, I had kind of, like, filtered out some of my, you know, personal blocks and, like, personal negativity that was telling myself, oh, you can't do that, you can't do this. And then I just ended up on the safe route instead of the super safe route. Mm -hmm. And now I'm working towards, like, okay, this is the road that I actually want to take. Like, working towards plan A instead of feeding into plan A, B, and C at the same time, you Mm -hmm. know? I think, like, like, the big gist of it is, you know, I was contemplating either going full-fledged, like contract to contract artist work base I don't know how to word this yeah mm-hmm. um but basically like making a career out of going from project to project and I think that a lot of that just kind of scared me and so part of what was my safe route was like having a stable job within the arts but probably something more administrative or like working full-time for a company and then doing my own projects evenings and weekends but mm-hmm. it's like okay, so that's me setting myself up for, like, a 60-hour work week. And also, how am I going to have the energy for all of my actual projects Mm -hmm. if I'm working at this other job most of the time? Yeah. Yeah. And then I think my super safe route was just doing, like, the the administrative stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, like, good on you if you can do that and you're genuinely happy with everything that you're doing. But, like based off of, you know, working full-time between university, like, terms and all of that. Like, Mm -hmm. I've done the 60-hour work weeks before, and those are only for, like, eight- to ten-week contracts, and I'm just not a human. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember last summer, the only day that I had off between June and, like, school starting was Canada Day. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. And I was just depleted. Mm Mm-hmm. But, yeah. No, 100%. So, not for me. Now I'm working towards just taking a risk and being happy about it. Oh, we love to see it. Yay! <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think that there's some merit to that, right? Because mm-hmm. I see that this is just a universal problem. Mm-hmm. That everyone, you know, we're just so scared to really go for it and take risks to do what we want to do. And, you know, we applaud the people that do it, but then can't do it within our own lives when we feel it's needed. So. Yeah. Yeah. But it's important, and it's important to acknowledge it. Or even worse, you, like, try and tear down the people that do it because you kind of resent the fact that they're doing it and you're not. Mm, interesting. hmm Yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of people out there that do that. So what have you been learning? Well, I mean, you make a good point, because I think I've been kind of learning a few different things, or at least exploring a few different things, and one of the ones that you touched on is I've been learning the importance of time. Mm-hmm and how everything in life is a transaction Mm -hmm. and of course there's obviously the monetary transactions of you know i'm gonna give money 
and I'm going to get this product or this service in return. Mm-hmm. Looking at all every single one of our choices away from monetary values is a transaction. And I read a quote somewhere when I was reading reading some book or something, and it talked about the fact of our time is such a big transaction that we don't even acknowledge or realize, and it's mm-hmm. the fact of, you know, if we take on this project or we say yes to helping our friend or you know, we say yes to this job or whatever we do, we are choosing to give up something of ourselves and that is life. Mm -hmm. That is an hour of our life that we won't get back. This is kind of morbid, but it's true. We don't know how many months we have in our life. Yeah. So I think it's just, with me, it's been reflecting back on making sure that I am being mindful of where I spend my time because even though it doesn't have a monetary value to it, it's still very important. It's probably even more important. Mm-hmm. in regards to that and just making sure that like, I'm making choices that align with who I am as a person and don't go against that and is leaving the impact I want and the importance that I do and so like that's something that I've been really um like kind of reflecting on thinking on because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it is the curious case of like and again on the morbid vein but like if a month ago you'd been told that you'd only have a month left like would you be proud of how you'd been mm-hmm. spending your time yeah and it's always interesting because you ask people that question all the time and they're always like no I would do this and this and this and this Mm -hmm. and I actually was thinking about this as a concept for a show which has probably been done but I always find it very intriguing and I know there'd be people that would watch it but like what would you do if you gave a group and told them that the world was ending in a month Mm -hmm. and you just watch these different characters go and do their wildest fears and wildest dreams because that's how they actually want to live life Mm -hmm. and then the world doesn't end and it didn't end yeah right and then you now have to see them like there's the guy that confessed his feelings to yeah. the girl and there's the dude that quit his job and then there's the girl who like went and did all these crazy things and said these things that mm-hmm. you know and that's where I'm sitting here being like what realistically is holding us back from that like mm-hmm. if we are tw- like we don't actually know mm-hmm. when we're gonna die or when the world's gonna end <laughs> so it's, it's just kind of examining those factors in society and within ourselves more so of why we hold ourselves back mm-hmm. and like of course, it's not ever not everyone's in a case where they can quit their job today and go travel the world tomorrow. That a hundred percent recognizes a if you're able to do that, that's amazing, and I applaud you for it. But not everyone's in that state. Mm-hmm. But it is that fact of there are steps that are smaller that are just as important as the big ones. Of okay, so I'm I can't quit my nine to five job because I need to pay rent and feed my family. Mm-hmm. But how about that hour I spent on social media or that hour I spent complaining about my job? why don't I go paint or read or go for a walk or go to the movies? Like, it's just taking those small moments of time mm-hmm. and, like, relocating it to something that will fulfill us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <gasps> and, like, those small steps are so important and they're mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. And we, like, don't even realize them. A hundred percent. And I think it's, like, we just kind of fall into that pattern and, you know, it's taking those moments every single day to even check in. And that's even the thing, too, of just take the moments of every day and actually sit and check in and be like, how am I feeling? And then you'll be like, okay, if I'm not feeling good or if I'm feeling, you know, not up to par, why? And what can I do in the moment to kind of fix that? Mm -hmm. Mm Because I feel like we're also disconnected from how we really feel day to day, which is very interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's, it's important to kind of note those observations for yourself, whether you literally, like, put them down on a page or something or like express them creatively too like there are people that have little bullet journals and stuff where they color in their emotions for that Mm -hmm. day and all of that and just kind of being able to to 
get a sense of that visual or to keep noting the patterns that occur mm-hmm. are really important towards you like developing and growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how's your mental health been specifically within this year and, you know, during these past few months? Yeah. Like it, it definitely goes up and down. Um, I haven't been tracking it well enough to see if it's a cycle or not, which I should start. Um, but you know, there, there are the days where just making a meal feels like it's going to be so much work and all of that. And you just want to like lie in bed and watch movies or whatever. And then there are the days where it's just like, yo, yeah, I've taken two walks and it's only 11 AM and like you're, you're cleaning everything and you're doing all of the things on your to-do list that have been there for months sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's ups and it's downs and it's booms and it's busts. That sounds like a sick rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> ups and the downs and the booms and the busts. <laughs> Little dose EP dropping never. <laughs> never say never. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we do a yeah. sick cover of that. <laughs> True. Yeah. And like, uh, I think one thing that's been weird to realize that has played into my mental health a lot is kind of reconnecting with how extroverted I actually am Mm -hmm. um and I think that maybe whether it was the school environment or maybe it was the people that I was around a lot that were just like demanding a lot of my energy and attention and stuff Mm -hmm. and so I found myself pulling away from people but now like not or for that first little bit of quarantine especially not having the option of being around people I was like where are all my friends? Yeah. I miss you. Well, yeah. especially when you go from, like, also having schoolwork and having to get assignments mm-hmm. in and having something else to do to, okay, now I've done school. I can't even go out. I can't even see people. Yeah. I mean, it's great to binge Netflix, but you can only really do that for a certain amount of time before you mm-hmm. really, like, kind of hit a low. Yeah. And, you know, there's the book that we've been working our way through, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Uh, a great old artist self-help book. If mm-hmm. you haven't started it already, <laughs> do it. Um, there's a there's a nice little surprise in week four where you're not allowed to essentially read or consume words written by other artists in the hopes that you start to create your own. Um, and that week was sort of when I noticed that dependency that I had. Uh, where all of a sudden I had so much more time than I even realized I had in the days that I could be filling and using and like living my life with. It was the weird realization where I was all of a sudden so in charge of every single moment of my life and how I wanted to fill every single moment. And then the follow-up realization of why was I not filling every single moment of my life before this? Has your mental health like fluctuated in a similar way or have you made any new discoveries? Um, yeah. Okay, I started off 2020 thinking this was going to be my year. <laughs> yeah. Like I genuinely was like 2020 is something special is going to happen. I can feel it in my bones. Like I'm graduating. It's going to be my first step into the real world. So I entered 2020 with a very optimistic kind of high on life attitude. Mm-hmm. And I remember, though, when I came back from Alberta, and because I spent New Year's in Toronto, I was working a Raptors game, that I kind of hit a low. Mm-hmm. 
and especially because I wanted to start 2020 on this really high like I'm gonna be so productive I'm really gonna make this year my career year um, I'm really gonna find myself I'm really gonna get on top of my shit that when I hit that low which I normally do when I am done traveling especially if I'm going between Alberta and mm-hmm. Ontario just because you know every time and I know you can relate to this like it's nice to go home but then when you come back you almost have to mourn the fact that you know you're missing your quote-unquote life there yeah it's just mourning the fact that um like my close family aren't near me I don't get the chance to see them as often as my friends see their parents here Mm -hmm. and it's just like that readjustment period so I remember kind of going through a low time and I would remember myself getting mad at myself I'd put so much on my to-do list for the next day and be like hey you're gonna get up early you're gonna do this and this and this and this and then I would sleep in and then I'd get up and I just wouldn't be motivated and I would just get mad at myself and it was a cycle of, you know, I wasn't living up to this preconceived idea of productivity that I told myself I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And I kind of started noting that in the beginning of 2020 and was like, why am I putting so much pressure on myself? You have the whole year. And I think it also was very evident this year because I went in being like, this is going to be my year, like something special is going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I had on that extra pressure that is already there. And so then I, like, kind of made a promise with myself that I was like, you know what, like, if I'm sleeping in and I'm finding out that I need to go a little bit slower, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I literally have 12 more months of the year to, to get my shit together, to get on top of, it, like, my goals and dreams and everything. And, you know, I found that really helped me, was kind of just giving myself that patience and forgiveness that yeah. I extend to my friends and family. That, like, if someone came to me and was like, look, I can't get this thing done for you or for us because I just haven't been feeling well, I would 100% extend that to them. Mm -hmm. So I was like, why am I not extending it to myself? Yes. So then I remember, you know, kind of going through that cycle and calling it what it was helped me a lot of being like, this isn't permanent. This is a cycle. It is so normal in life to feel sad and then feel happy and then feel angry and feel these emotions and just because I'm feeling one right now does not mean this is going to be forever. So just Mm -hmm. because I'm feeling low right now does not mean I'm going to be low forever. I think that allowed me to kind of move through it and everything. It's similar to you. Like my mental health has gone on ups and has gone on downs. Uh, I've learned to really have to take it in a moment and, you know, take it day by day is as Mm -hmm. cliche as you hear that and as people say that. But I was like kind of forced to face a lot of stuff that I didn't want to see. Like I... One of my biggest realizations was the fact that I'm an anxious person and I actually deal with anxiety mm-hmm. and I don't take that lightly. It was always a case of, you know, it, it depression and anxiety drastically runs in my family, especially my immediate family. And if you asked me before quarantine if I was like an anxious person or anything, I'd be like, yeah, I, I get nervous, but I wouldn't even call it anxiety. Mm-hmm. I remember like my sleep schedule got so screwed up for like a good portion of it where I would always like stay up late but I could always like go to bed at two or three Mm -hmm. I was not going to bed until like 6 a.m sometimes I would even you know be like you know what I think I have to ride it out and I've never pulled an all-nighter in my life Mm -hmm. and I never knew what that was like I just chalked it up to like you know big change like I went from being so busy every single day to now having nothing and like of course that's normal for your routine to shift Mm -hmm. and then I remember one time I was like telling my parents and my dad kind of like looked at me and was like well what are you anxious about And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not anxious about anything. Obviously, like, I can be like, oh, well, like, money and, Mm -hmm. you know, quarantine and the world, you know, it's falling to shit. But, Mm -hmm. like, I, in the moment, didn't feel anxious. Yeah. 
And he's like, well, no, usually that's a sign, like, if you're staying up and not to self-diagnose, but he's like, it's usually a case if you're not falling asleep and you don't know why and you're trying to fall asleep, like, and you've shifted your routine. And at this point I had, I like put my phone away at midnight and I try and read, I listen to podcasts. I would, you know, count sheep, I'd do some meditations. I tried like everything to fall asleep, but I couldn't fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And he's like, usually that's a sign that, you know, like you're dealing with some anxiety. And and of course, like he was like kind of nervous that he was like, you know, I wasn't being honest about it, which I wasn't because I wasn't being honest with myself. I started getting anxiety attacks, not realizing they were anxiety attacks. Mm -hmm. It would just be a case of, I would wake up in the middle of the night or in the middle of the day, I guess, whenever I was sleeping and I couldn't breathe. And it was this weirdness of, I was like, oh my God, I have COVID, I have COVID, I have COVID. So I would like get Jay to check my temperature multiple times a day, like didn't have a cough, didn't have a sore throat. I just felt like I couldn't breathe. And I was so confused because this had never happened to me before. And then I like had a conversation with my friend Ola and I was like, I need to know, like, what does an anxiety attack look like or panic attack? Like, have you ever had one? And she like outlined what happened to her and hers was very different, which I find very interesting in the fact of like, Mm -hmm. these are such umbrella terms where it's like, yes, there's like on paper, there's the like, you know, shortness of breath fear of dying like you get really clammy and such but like people can experience it so differently because she was explaining what happened to her and I was like it sounds very similar to me but it's not exactly the same so I don't even know if that is Mm -hmm. what's happening to me and I think that's what's so scary and weird about this whole concept is the fact that like we can talk about mental health but it's so different for everyone yeah definitely and I think it's so curious to examine all of these like physical indicators and stuff of like are you sleeping properly? Are you mm-hmm. eating properly? Are you drinking water? Like, can you get out of bed today? Mm-hmm. And all of those things, like, they can be wildly telling of how you're doing, like, in your brain as well as in your body. Mm-hmm. Like, do your feet feel heavier today? Mm-hmm. Like, all of that stuff. And yeah, it's it's really good that you've been noticing these things and, like, you've been learning and working through them and all of that. Mm-hmm as I was starting to, you know, initiate these conversations with my friends, because I just needed to hear what their experience was, that the the amount of stigma and gaslighting that happens around it is so in, insane, insane to me. Mm-hmm. Just in the fact of so many people were like, it took me so long to get diagnosed with anxiety because I bring it up to so-and-so and they'd be like, you're just being dramatic or mm-hmm. no, you're fine or yeah, that's normal. It's just nerves and everything, which you know it's a case of you know yourself the best you know when something's wrong you know when something's getting to you mm-hmm. and it's the fact of like not only do other people do it but they I mean they also talk about how you know them themselves would talk themselves out of it and be like oh I'm just being dramatic or it's not actually happening to me or there's worse things in the world yeah and it's something that you know it amazes me because it's the fact of like they would go so long being like I'm fine and obviously not feeling fine and then they would go to a doctor or they would seek you know resources or help and they would notice a difference in that. Mm-hmm. And and they'd be like, you know, I, my only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. Or I didn't take it seriously sooner. Yeah. And, like, it's it's the entire concept of how we should treat other people of, like, listen first, judge second. Do that with yourself, too. Yeah. Like, it's, definitely. it's really simple of just, like, you don't need to immediately discredit what your body is telling you. You can just kind of be like, oh, okay, message received. Mm-hmm. good good it's a thing of like so whoever needs to hear this there's no shame in it it's never too early to try and get help it is never too late to try and get mm-hmm. help like uh i i just recently started therapy sessions mm-hmm. and 
in just like a, a little chat when my therapist and I were talking together to see if we would be a good pair. She just asked me how old I was and I was just like, oh yeah, I'm 22. And she's like, that is the exact age I wish I started therapy. Wow. And so it's a thing of she, she completely like switched careers to go into therapy or to become a therapist, I guess. And uh, so it's a thing of like, it's, it's genuinely like never too late to Mm -hmm. really focus in on yourself and your brain is changing every day. So even if what you thought was true yesterday isn't what you think is true today, that's all right. Yeah. And I think a good point on that too is this concept of you don't have to be a certain level of fucked up to go to therapy or to ask for help. Yeah. I think that's another thing that like I see so much in society of everyone being like, oh, well, I don't have it as worse as so-and-so or Mm -hmm. there's bigger problems in the world. It's like if you still don't feel good or feel okay, you are valid and going to get what you need and that help might you know take the shape of so many different things you know what I mean Mm -hmm. the first time I tried to go to therapy that's the exact response I got from the therapist and it deterred me from therapy for two years Mm -hmm. Uh, if you can afford a therapist and you can afford to choose your therapist like shop around most places offer a free consultation and all of that Mm -hmm. Um, if you're in Toronto there is an entire network of therapists that have a sliding scale rate that you can choose what you pay between like certain amounts and if not uh there's lots of group counseling opportunities there's lots of online and phone counseling opportunities as well mm-hmm. no definitely and i think also uh, you can go to your you know family doctor and have mm-hmm. these conversations too because usually they can give recommendations or point you towards like resources it's within their job that they have to you know provide you alternatives and the cheapest option too mm-hmm. So, you know, I hate the fact that money would ever be a factor in in people not being able to get, you know, the resources or help that they want. Yeah. There's actually an interesting thing, a tactic that I was recently told, and uh, my friend related it to what she called her sad day kit. Mm -hmm. And she recommends doing it on a day where you feel, you know, pretty content or neutral or happy. Um, and then also revisiting it on a day where you feel low because, you know, it is meant for those days. But on, And also just noticing how your answers may vary depending on your mood. Uh, but she says, you know, make a list of your senses. So put in sound, sight, smell, taste, and touch. Perfect. And then under that list, the different things that you feel like you would need when you're feeling low. Mm-hmm. Because that's something I've also started noticing too, was I react differently to, you know, listening to music or, you know, just really needing to eat some comfort food or, you know, just putting on some nice, comfortable clothes that's very soft Mm -hmm. and, you know, looking at pretty images or watching a movie or something. When you kind of get into that low state where you don't want to do anything, it's not always this one set solution. Yeah. And like when you can really pinpoint what you really enjoy and what makes you happy when you do get into that low mindset you can easily pull out the list or remember the list and start treating yourself to that Mm -hmm. the the whole concept of investing in yourself ties very closely with Mm self-care and all of that and you know we've we've discussed this so many times but self-care isn't a one-size-fits-all thing Mm -hmm. it is not always a bubble bath it is not always i don't know axe throwing like, I mean, it could be. It, absolutely. <laughs> oh, it could, sorry. <laughs> like, absolutely. It could be either of those things. It could be both at the same time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it could not be both works. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like, again, 
invest in the time of figuring out what works for you. Yeah, I mean, um, in regards to that, we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about confidence for a little. When Jade and I were talking about this episode in particular, we were talking about, you know, different types of, obviously, we want to address mental health, and that's something that's very near and dear to our hearts, and you know also found that we have very different ways in regards to confidence and how we feel confident in our tips and tricks to becoming more confident mm-hmm. which we thought would be interesting to share how have you found your relationship to confidence i guess like how did i find it or how has it changed both yeah i mean this feels like i'm going like way back like i have to do the whole mm-hmm. life sandwich i don't Reverse, the, the TLDR version. Uh, or is it, I guess, TLDL? Too long, didn't listen? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's that it. Works. <laughs> that works. I was a very insecure child. Really? Like, super insecure. Yeah. I was very shy. I'm naturally introverted, um, which is funny because a lot of my friends and family will, you know, state the, the opposite and be like, no, you're so extroverted. And I'm like, oh, I fooled you all. <laughs> I cared so much what people thought growing up and you know I was bullied and you know went through some times during school where you know I definitely felt like I wasn't good enough and I think that took a big toll on how I viewed myself and how I presented myself to the world because I think going through the school system I put such a big emphasis on how other people saw me Mm -hmm. as a way to make sure that you know, if they liked me, I was a part of the group. And, you know, humans are already naturally social people. And, like, yeah. we want to be liked. We want to be a part of, you know, the crowd. Like, we don't want to be alone. I would say, you know, even my confidence probably four years ago when I was starting university was probably, on average, a six. Mm-hmm. I would say at this point now, graduating university, my confidence is an 8.5 mm-hmm. on average, moving towards a nine. Um, I don't know if it's possible to ever be like a 10 out of 10, mm-hmm. maybe like in moments, a hundred percent. I think that's normal, but I don't think on average, I mean, I mean, if someone is 10 out of 10 confident all the time, I'm very happy for them. Yo, Share your wisdom. You. Oh, I'm sure they will. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I'm just sitting here reflecting back on like my journey and, and how did I make that jump from, you know, six to 8.5. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it was putting my energy and attention less on others and what they thought of me and more on what do I want to do with my life? What do I want my legacy to be? What do I want my impact to be? What are my goals? What are my dreams? How mm-hmm. can I get there? Because I I did notice, you know, going through first and second year, uh, like I was probably at an all-time low with my confidence. I was mm-hmm. going through a breakup. It was a weird transition and it was a really hard time. And like I was at a very low point in my life. And then third and fourth year started, and I remember I made, like, very conscious choices. I started reevaluating the people I surrounded myself with first, mm-hmm. because I started noticing that, you know, it was, there would be parties all the time, and it was so nice to be invited, and I would feel like I needed to go to these parties because of FOMO, and I wanted to be included, and it's always, there's always that fear in the back of your mind that you're like, if you have a low day that day and you really don't want to go, you're like, but if I don't go, I'm not going to get invited to the next one. And that's going to be shittier. It's going to be like a domino effect. Mm. And I started realizing that a lot of the times I would go to these parties and it was like no, no shade against the people there. I just started noticing that like me as a naturally introverted person that not only of course is like going to parties and socializing, you know, taking a lot of my energy, but 
I wasn't really gaining anything from it. It mm-hmm. was like going back to that transaction of yeah. like usually you can notice that yes, if you go get coffee with someone, but there's someone you love being around and you love the conversation. Yes, you exchange energy, but you get something back. Mm-hmm. And I started noticing going to these parties that I was giving so much of my energy and I was getting nothing back. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there and being like, why do I do this to myself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like genuinely, I was like, <laughs> once again, no shade to these people, but like, why am I willingly giving up my time and putting myself in situations where I'm just being left empty? Mm-hmm. Like, I, this is not good for my mental health. This is not good for me. And, you know, if anything, like, I do have a lot of dreams and goals that, you know, this takes up a large part of my time that I could be dedicating to that that will fulfill me. And I remember making that choice of, like, you know what? I'm just going to stay home the few first times or go out with other people or go do other things and start mm-hmm. seeing how that is. Do you know what I mean? And at the end of the day, if these people are genuinely my true friends, just because I missed one party doesn't mean I won't get invited to the next one. And if I don't get invited to the next one, then that was not a loss in my part. Mm -hmm. That will never be a loss in my part. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a thing that especially people going through university and school, like fear, where it's like getting cut out of the group. Yeah. Which is like kind of insane. Like when you actually do think about it, where you're like, why would I want to surround myself with people like that if I feel like I'm constantly trying to live up to this image or live up to something that I'm not getting something from? Mm-hmm. But it's it's the human nature part of it. <laughs> Yo, that's my nature. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, yeah. And I also noticed that I stepped, like, <laughs> I still kept getting invited to parties even though I wouldn't show up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a case of like my biggest fear wasn't even a reality, which I think is very true for a lot of... <laughs> us dude it became a joke of like people would start taking bets on whether or not amy would show up and if she would if she would stay for more than 20 minutes so true <laughs> because my favorite part was when we went to our party at our friend's house last summer mm-hmm. and we walked in and everyone stopped and looked and i was like why are they looking and then our friend jacob goes i'm shocked you're here and i was like why <laughs> he's like because you actually showed up yeah. <laughs> like you exist yeah, yeah yeah that was like so iconic yeah though. yeah what about you from like first to second to third to fourth year um it's weird I I think my my relationship to confidence actually predates that a little bit Mm -hmm. like uh I was just I was just the average amount of confident as a child like we have very opposite experiences I would find like to date my peak confidence was probably like end of high school oh and then I went back down over the course of university. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, I'm nearing a turning point of going back up, but I have... uh, Either I haven't quite gotten there yet, or I'm just sitting in it now, Mm -hmm. so I can't quite feel it yet. And I haven't begun to reap the rewards and all of that. (laughs) Ugh, why am I so weird? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, I think, like, there, there was a solid phase in, like, first or second year where I was convinced. I was like, yo, I in high school didn't I and all of that thing and you know all of those those weird phrases that we tell ourselves when we're at the low points that are obviously not true and life is long and there's so much more that I can do and achieve and all of that um but yeah I am still trying to figure out what it was about university specifically that kind of took me back down I was just thinking about this yesterday actually simple factor of university is the biggest workload that has ever been demanded of me like Mm -hmm. 
biggest workload in terms of being able to take care of myself, like away from my family and all of that, uh, school workload, like actual working life, sustaining friendships with not only the people in my immediate circle, but thinking of them as future potential co-workers and also all of my friends back home and balancing all of that and yeah. And so I think uh, just because it was such a demand of my time and energy, eventually like I probably spread myself too thin mm -hmm. many a times over the course of my degree. And because of that, um, yeah, I don't know, I found that I was failing quote unquote, in multiple categories, like not literally failing, but not doing as well as I wanted to. Yeah, it's like that one thing you see where it's like sleep, a social life, good grades, yeah. and it's like pick two. Yeah, like it's it, just it, like, it like you can that. have two out of three. Yeah. Or like no university student has all three. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, so now I think that, that that big time commitment of just school is done and over with. Like, I am starting to kind of take stock of what I actually need and what has been taking away my confidence too, uh, which I think is a huge thing because if you look at my track record of having never been particularly unconfident, then what removed it? And it might be the thing of, I met so many amazing people that are so talented at what they do that I was just overwhelmed by like their talent and their abilities and all of that. So I felt inadequate and like maybe that changed. Uh, but I don't think so. I'm pretty talented. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I love all of you. <laughs> that sounds sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> but I, over the course of, quarantine and stuff, I've made a lot of those little steps and little changes. Like, I am being more vocal about my emotions to other people. I'm really sorry, because, like, like, Amy and I have been quarantining together, obviously, so she's on the receiving end of it most of the time. Yeah, I'm like, sorry, to, bro. We don't have to apologize, though. I know. <laughs> it's a process. I know. <laughs> yeah. Jade, if you could tell society one thing, though, or or even better, like, let's say... You know, the universe or God or someone or even Mayor John Tory was like, here is a microphone. Go downtown <laughs> Toronto and preach what you have to say. Love yourself. Respect yourself. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, that's a great question. Yeah, no pressure. As a, as a big boy question. Kanye West comes out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, thank you. Um... What would you say? Don't be shy. <laughs> um, if I had to go out there and, and give a message and preach, the most important thing is, is if you're broken, you don't have to stay broken. And there's so much to life and your mental health is going to be so tied to that. You are, yes, you're never truly alone. Yeah. And I know that sounds cliche. But it's this thing of, you know, I, <laughs> well, if I ever got this microphone, people would be like, get off the stage. <laughs> she doesn't even go she doesn't here. doesn't even go here. <laughs> you know, in those moments where you do feel very alone and you feel like no one in your life would understand, look at the world. Look at the fact that, you know, we are literally made of stardust. 
you know, stars are made of nitrogen, carbon, oxygen, et cetera, et cetera. And we are made of all that, which is kind of a beautiful thing in itself. Um, and this world is such a big world that, you know, in those moments where you get super lonely and you feel like no one could understand that there is over 7 billion people in this world. And I guarantee that there is someone out there that you could sit and tell your deepest, darkest desires to your deepest fears, every single thing that you are too scared to utter to the world and they would understand. And I find that there's so much, so much beauty in that of, you know, you're never truly alone. Yeah. That's beautiful. I don't know. I'm like, yeah. I don't even know what I'm saying. I feel like I blacked out. <laughs> wow. Really made the most of that microphone time, hey? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. It's so broad. <laughs> like, there's so much. So, yeah, like, I think you said it right. You are important. Like, mm-hmm. you matter. Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing of... Just kind of you don't even realize the impact that you have on the world Mm -hmm. just by breathing walking somewhere or I don't know like literally everything you do has an impact and well and Jade and I've talked about this before where it's that case of you know think in your own personal life Mm -hmm. how many people in your life whether it be someone that's very close to you or a stranger that did something nice for you where you can look back and be like they impacted my life or Mm -hmm. they did a pay it forward or they did something that made me feel special or shaped me no matter how big and small and then now that you've got these people in your mind how many of them did you actually vocalize that to Mm -hmm. and I guarantee you there's a large amount that you didn't tell and that they're living their life right now not knowing the impact that they had on your life now flip that around and think of all the people that you have touched that you will never know. And I guarantee you there's a ton of people out there that would be impacted Absolutely. and have been impacted by you. Yeah, I had an acting coach once and I don't even remember what the exercise was, but something about people coming and going in life and all of that. And she just said the phrase of like, every time that someone new enters the room, the universe changes. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely true with every single room. If that person wasn't there that day, who knows what wouldn't have happened? Who knows what could have happened if they walked in a second earlier or a second later? Mm -hmm. And I think that there's, there's just so much impact, you know, Mm -hmm. that you have, that you have the potential to create you matter and even on the days when you don't want to have to matter mm-hmm. you do yes mm-hmm. and one thing to always keep in mind that i was thinking just on the bio side of things is remember our brains are wired to be negative mm-hmm. we do have the fight versus flight mentality so that is why we perceive so many things as threats and that's why sometimes we do have these core negative beliefs about ourselves your thoughts are not always you mm-hmm. and you know it's not too late I mean at 23 I started rewiring my core negative beliefs and that's even early for a lot of people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's a lifelong journey but you know just always remember that you know you're prone to be more negative than what's actually there mm-hmm. and there's just about the same if not even more great things about you yeah 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 drink some water yeah go hug some uh air hug depending on <laughs> if they're in your circle yeah, or not yeah. i mean just just send a text call someone you know give a compliment today make someone laugh yeah tell make someone, someone why you love them yeah you know what i mean and thank you for being you yeah take a nap 
Yeah. Ooh. Do something for yourself and do something for someone else today. Yeah. Life's too short. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Okay, follow our Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> if you really want to do something for someone else today, you should follow Love our Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> 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 But seriously. I mean, I assume that's where they're going to be hearing about this from, is our Instagram. So, I don't know. Still, still follow us. Yeah. Share it. A little, yeah, share it. Yeah. Pass it forward. <laughs> you know what, actually, you know what I actually want you to do? And I am dead serious about this. Send us a DM. Tell us all the great things about yourself. Mm-hmm. At least ten things that you love about yourself. Ten, I feel at least five things yes. <laughs> that you love about yourself. Yes. Like, absolutely love. And if you can't come up with some stuff, slide into our DMs. Jade and I will hype you the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Genuinely. If you need it, literally just send us a DM. Yo, uh, I will go full hockey mom. <laughs> That's scary. Full hockey mom. Uh, yeah, it scares me a little bit. But, yo, I will be your number one fan. We're <laughs> going to finals this year, baby. <laughs> Yeah, not the least. <laughs> Never the least. Next year, baby. Yeah, may- and yet next year, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with hope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> See you next week. Bye.